helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, there's been all sorts of news around Auckland at the moment, hasn't there, about uh, Eden Park um, with the vision of putting a roof on and the exorbitant cost, and and it's brought up another discussion about the viability of a waterfront stadium, and they announced they were re-entering, I guess you could call it a bit of a race. Now, joining us on the line now, uh, a man by the name of Joel Caford. He was a uh, city councillor for 12 years, and he was also a policy advisor to do with town planning, etc. And also did a whole lot of work on the viability of the development of the Auckland waterfront. Right man to talk to. G'day, Joel. Hello there. Um, when you saw this news about the Eden Park thing, did it take you back to your time when we were talking about the possibility of a waterfront stadium? I know you're involved in the whole waterfront, but a big part of that was having a stadium down on the waterfront. Yeah, well, it did take me back to the Rugby World Cup that we had and then the idea of Party Central and government offering quite a large amount of money to have a stadium there, um, Party Central there, all of those kinds of things. And the debate about what happens to the waterfront as the port gradually concentrates its activities and wharves come free and other parts of the waterfront come free, everyone puts their hands up, you know, what about my idea, what about me, what about me? What about a stadium? So yeah, you, yeah. So I know it's a, l- a little while ago, but it looks like there's another group of privately funded uh, areas. I'm not 100 percent au fait with who they are, but they were saying recently that um, if that waterfront development goes ahead, it's all privately funded. So in in your time looking at the waterfront, can you give us? your feeling as part of urban development for Auckland and greater Auckland, what the development of that area would bring the city? Well, there's always a bit of competition for it. And so around 2010 and all that area, all that time pre-COVID, then there was a huge amount of pressure for having cruise ships there. And so everybody kind of like, well, not everybody, a lot of people argued that cruise ships and having cruise ships down there that was going to transform Auckland CBD and it's going to bring a whole lot of economic activity down there, so it's cruise ships. And then um, the next kind of thing that happens is you say, oh, we need a whole lot of apartments there. So you see along one of the wharves there then, uh, so you have, um, you know, 200 apartments that are there. And there's some apartments in Wynyard Quarter. And then this proposal you speak of is that if the port moves off, we'll have a whole lot of apartments down there. So it becomes real estate. And none of those things are really about the public and public access to it and public enjoyment, which other waterfronts around the world. And I kind of took myself off to a whole humper, deeper cities to see what they were doing with their waterfronts. And many of them, and you even look at Wellington, their waterfront is much, much more a people kind of a place and they restrict private development and they restrict cruise ship activity and all of that kind of activity in, and prioritise public enjoyment of the waterfront. And when we did have Party Central on Queen's Wharf, when we had the Rugby World Cup here, when it opened, people were completely shocked that 200,000 people from Auckland went to the waterfront hmm. and completely jammed it. Police were out. They couldn't, they couldn't handle it. There was just too many people there. It just showed how keen 
the public were to be at the waterfront when there was a major event. So there's a huge appetite for it, and it's not provided for. Yeah, I worked on the America's Cup, and I saw it as well. And the interest and in, of New Zealanders to to create this fan zones, this camaraderie, and it doesn't need to be around sport. It can just be around, you know, where is the destination for Aucklanders to go to go and hang out and take their friends and family? It probably is Wynyard. It probably is um, down and around the Maritime Museum and those sort of, and they've, they've poured a heap of money into Commercial Bay. Um, I don't want to get personal, but I'm not actually a fan of Commercial Bay. I just think it's... It, it's, I, it's I, wasn't, I wasn't either. I wasn't either. I mean, it sort of destroyed Queen Elizabeth Square, which was a beautiful public space across from the, that beautiful old building, the old, old post office. As soon as they put Commercial Bay there, and like retail all along that strip, they just turned it into an extension of Queen Street, and it's like just a retail extension. And the public amenity and the public enjoyment was really compromised by by that. What form would the Waterfront Stadium, like the benefit of all of the research you did, and as you mentioned, you went around the world looking at waterfront stadiums, uh, and of course you were in favour of that, so I'm not going to ask you would it work, because it would. What what would it look like to an Aucklander, or person that lives in Auckland, like me, what would it look like if they got the go-ahead? What would be the ideal for you now? Yeah. Well, if they were going to do something like that, even when they did Queen's Wharf and Party Central, they had a design competition and there were about eight entries from leading architecture firms. So as soon as you kind of open something like this up to a bit of creative design, then you get uh, you get some really, really interesting ideas. And uh, so I've got ideas, but I'm not an architect. But one of the ideas that sort of really struck me is that you could have um, a waterfront stadium that for most of the time was open at each end, so that when you were in it, then you could sort of see out to Rangitoto, North Head, Mount Victoria, and kind of the harbour entrance at one end. And at the other end, you could sort of see across, say, to Sky Tower and a bit of a, like a Sky City type of a, an opening. And you'd be unconcerned about noise spilling out. You don't have to roof it because you, you buy the waterfront. It's a noisy place. And you can kind of like, it, it can be, it can, it can, integrate and enliven Auckland rather than be shut off from it. And then when you have uh, an event that needs to be, you got have to have 60,000, it's more like an amphitheatre. It's designed so that there's kind of temporary seating that can be put up at those ends so that it's all, it's got a large amount of capacity. But for the most part, it's sort of a bit more open and, um, and a bit more, yeah, expansive and, and recognising where it is by a waterfront and by a city. And you can see those things when you're sitting across from each other, if you like, when it's say, a, so like a stadium for 25,000 or 30,000. So those ideas are pretty common, particularly in some of the US stadiums, which are more like baseball or gridiron oriented. Um, so there's yeah, plenty of examples of it, but we've never really opened it up to that kind of creative input. Um, Auckland, in a way, it's a bit ad hoc. So you've got, you know, you've got the North Harbour multi-purpose stadium for twenty-five thousand. You've got Mount Smart, Gladiatorial Arena, you've got Eden Park, which has always been constrained. And I've been familiar as a councillor with the opposition in the local um, residents group, which is understandable. From um, you know, if you expand it, then there's more traffic, 
there's more people who are not going anywhere to go afterwards. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's an okay stadium, but it's not an okay stadium to kind of expand and develop because it's heavily constrained. Mm. I noticed that the residents are on board with uh, what Eden Park are proposing, which is interesting that is that the only stadium around that has to get residents authority? I'm not sure. What what were the biggest stumbling blocks for you, Joel, back then when you were pushing for um, development of that Auckland waterfront? Well, at the time, it was the land was or the port company was owned by the Auckland Regional Council, and I was on the Auckland Regional Council then. And uh, so the politicians who were there, it was, if you like, a, a split between um, keeping a port there and keeping it in private control. And then recognizing you got 30, 40 million on a good year revenue from the port company. So it was partly a kind of an economic driver to kind of keep it in public ownership. And you don't want to kill the golden goose, if you like. Um, and then there were others who were more like you talk about really um, greater Auckland oriented and thinking about, well, what other waterfronts have done around the world that have kind of embraced the idea that the waterfront is the people's waterfront rather than the port company's waterfront or the or the or the, or the cruise ship industry's waterfront. And think and so it's kind of there's an inevitability about it being opened up. But what Auckland's history has been ad hoc, so little parts of the waterfront come free at a time. So the viaduct that was kind of opened up when there was a rugby world, uh, when there was a sort of an Auckland America's Cup kind of situation. Then there's a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And then you got um, the wharf that's next to Queen's Wharf that's got the development on it. Um, the name just slipped my mind at the moment. So it, it, it came free. So it was in, a, in an ad hoc way developed with just apartments. Queen's Wharf comes free. And we're lucky in a way that the only thing that's there is the cloud and shared tent. So Queen's Wharf really is is ripe for kind of integrating into into something now. So it hasn't been it hasn't been mucked up. So short term decisions have been really um, have, have been what's damaged the opportunity for Auckland's waterfront to be what it can be. So it's better that a good decision, good long term integrated decision, is taken rather than yet another short-term ad hoc opportunist decision is taken. This needs to be a bit more long-term thinking and it needs to embrace the whole of Auckland rather than just be a development opportunity. Do you feel like, and I know you're not involved now, do you feel like there's potentially less hurdles now so we're more likely to get a go-ahead or is it is it just too hard? Do we not have the population? Do we not have the economy? Do we not have the people that will just say, let's do it? Um, are there less stumbling blocks, same or different? Well, potentially there's less stumbling blocks because now, even though I, I like I, I opposed amalgamation of the, of, the, of the four main city councils with the regional council, the fact is now we do have one council for the whole of Auckland. Mm-hmm. So you could say that um, there's less conflict between different entities. It's just one. So um, an integrated, joined-up Auckland council should be able to kind of look at all of its stadium and kind of like have an have a, have a more of a, a joined-up strategy for how the different stadiums are used, and so have a, a region-wide plan, and then and then recognise. And there's a lot of recognition about about this that the port because it shouldn't be that the port is being used to import second-hand cars from Japan, which is like 
a lot of the um, land at the moment down there is for that. Yes. So there's been a lot of talk. It's gone on for about 10 years or more. Well, the cars should go to Northport and uh, or somewhere you know, like that, but not centre of Auckland. So there's a lot of kind of like um, gaps opening up in the current sort of use of the waterfront land. And people with money, um, people with ideas are going to step forward and say, well, we could use it for this or we could use it for that. And um, in a sort of a, a neoliberal kind of time, perhaps, if, if a group of people come forward and say, well, we can turn it into 100 apartment blocks and it's all about housing and we can have 3,000 apartments down there, some will say, well, that's a great solution, but it isn't going to create something that really, the Waitemata Harbour really um, would benefit from something much, much more visionary, much more kind of integrated, and something that the whole that the whole of Auckland can enjoy. That's one of the things that I was really struck by when the Rugby World Cup was there. We had the opening, and there were and the whole, if you like, of South Auckland came to town. So you had the Māori, Tongan, and Samoan population all painted up to have a great deal of fun. You go down there now, you're never going to see them down there now. So you don't see, Auckland doesn't come to town anymore, no. and particularly since COVID, and where people are working from home. It's a desert. Uh, so these kind of opportunities need to be grasped as a way of kind of bringing Auckland to town rather than keeping them away. Oh, I resonate so much with that. Like a city this big, it doesn't have a heartbeat. It doesn't have a central place where we could have a Auckland-wide, uh, like a state funeral or, or a celebration or or, a, um, or whatever. Absolutely. We, you know, you talked about the World Cup. We couldn't fit them there. We didn't We didn't have the room. No. Joel, I, I could no. talk to you for ages, but we're sort of running out of time. In, in, cool. in, in your, what's your gut feeling here, Joel? Do you, do you think, um, and again, I, I understand it might be a hard question because you're not in council anymore. Do you think it's got more uh, wherewithal, there's more... Um, likelihood that we could see something? I think I think we could. I think that I think that the the political kind of environment is not not desperate. So it's kind of like it's more it's more long term thinking now, I sense. And that um so the the possibility of doing the right thing and taking a bit of time to get it right is more there than previous ad hocery where I'm a bit desperate, oh, we need to kind of get some runs on the board, so let's do this because it might not be the best, but at least we can do it. We can do it now. So I think I think the environment is there to do the right thing. I'm hopeful. Mm. Joel Kayford, I really appreciate your time today. Pleasure.